Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Jens Nelson. And I am Lucas Stock. And this is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life as we strive for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Well, happy Friday, Lucas. We're here with another installment of, of Christians of History. Uh, we're just going to keep on rolling through this, uh, and every so often we'll intersperse some different creeds and confessions episodes in on our Friday routine. Uh, but right now we're, we're talking about a, a particular Christian of history, one who I think has come up a couple of times in conversation. Uh, we've certainly done an episode on, on people that are very closely related to this person. So uh, why don't you take it away? Introduce our Christian of history. Sweet. Yeah. So St. Macrina the Younger, um, who I will probably just refer to as Macrina from here on out, was born in Cappadocia, which might ring some of those bells that you were just alluding to, uh, as the oldest child in a family that produced multiple saints, but not just saints, but some pretty well-known saints specifically. She was the older sister of St. Basil the Great and St. Gregory of Nyssa. So uh, kind of big names in terms of the history of theology and Trinitarian theology, especially, and the, you know, the Cappadocian fathers, as they're known, Basil and Gregory and their friend, another Gregory. Um, we've talked about them before specifically, and then also just the, their legacy as we've talked about things like the Trinity and, and things like that. So Macrina was part of this very... Uh, significant Christian family. Um, so growing up in this family, uh, her mother, Amelia, who was also a saint, actually, uh, raised Macrina with a Christian education. So unlike the typical classical education of the day, instead of reading like the, the pagan poets and philosophers, she, she was brought up reading scriptures and psalms. Um, but she was given sort of this model education as, as it was, you know, the tradition back then um, in a Christian context, though. So Macrina grew up with this, with lots of learning, as well as a deep sense of, of piety and, and faith and, and commitment to the faith. Um, and this carried on as she grew older and had her younger siblings growing up behind her because Macrina kind of took responsibility for their education. She was kind of um, really involved in raising them and especially in guiding them in terms of their own education and learning. And even to the degree that apparently St. <laughs> Basil came back from the University of Athens and he was, I guess, really like prideful in all the new things that he had learned and his new knowledge and puffed up and Macrina kind of like put him in his place and <laughs> apparently even persuaded him to renounce the world and use his gifts to serve God and become a monk, which is pretty which is pretty awesome, I think. Um, and so she was kind of obviously a significant influence over her siblings who would go on to, out of their learning and talents, be a significant influence on the church at large. So Macrina is definitely uh, an important figure in terms of her her uh, legacy and the imprint that she left on the development of, of theology and, and um, even monasticism because Basil didn't just become a monk, but he... He, in the East, you know, in the West, we have Benedictine monks kind of take over as the standard. And in the East, uh, monks that followed 
uh, Basil's style of monasticism kind of take over. So Macrina's got a big legacy after her, even just from the influence that she had on her own uh, brothers and her own family. Um, So as she was growing up, her parents betrothed her to be married, but um, her would-be husband ended up dying. And instead of getting married to somebody else, she decided to dedicate herself to uh, service to the Lord uh, with a life of chastity, living as a what we would consider today a nun, living sort of a monastic life, ascetic life. Um, she stayed in her parents' house and helped, like I said, to raise her younger siblings. Um, and then later on, she actually, along with her mother, turned the their home into basically a convent, into this monastic community. Um, and Basil was sort of like the gu- the guide and overseer of it. Um, like I mentioned before, his style of monasticism kind of started with his own family, which is pretty cool. Um, and as she's in the monastery, you know, her faith took on this very um, storied sort of reputation. Um, she was she was known as someone who was who was very ascetic and committed. She she kept no personal possessions whatsoever. Apparently, she slept just on two wooden planks, um, very, you know, classic sort of uh, monastic, ascetic, you know, early Christianity kind of images in my mind of just completely giving absolutely everything up in terms of (laughs) worldly comforts and and desires and things. Um, But also uh, this, you know, reputation included stories of of healing, you know, miraculous healings that she was able to perform and and uh, even the idea that the, the as long as Macrina was there, the, they never lacked any wheat at the monastery. Like through her prayers, all their needs were always sort of um, met in terms of their physical needs. So in 379, this is right around the time that Basil the Great died, um, she, Macrina, became really sick. And so Gregory of Nyssa, her, her other younger brother, came to visit her. And he, he would eventually uh, write her biography, which is how a lot of this information gets passed on to us is through his biography of her, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but, but as she's dying, she's, she's talking with him, and on her deathbed, she, she prayed the, the following prayer. Um, o Lord, you have freed us from the fear of death. You have made the end of life here the beginning of a true life for us. You who compassionately gave paradise back to the man crucified with you, remember me also in your kingdom. If I have committed sins in word, deed, or thought because of the weakness of our nature, don't let your eyes discover them. You who have power on earth to forgive sins, forgive me so that I may be refreshed. May I be found before you once I have put off my body, having no fault in the form of my soul. May my soul be received into your hands, blameless and spotless, as an offering before you. Um, And Macrina then died, uh, as far as I know, from that sickness uh, in 380, so about a year or so after Basil the Great, her brother died. And like I said, her, her own life is sort of passed on through the work of, of Gregory of Nyssa as her biographer, um, as well as through the influence that she had on um, Basil and Gregory just for her whole life, you know, um, and the, the influence that she had on them clearly makes a big impact on their own lives of growing up, growing in the faith seeing their older sister model the, the life of faith for, for them, as, as well as I can imagine lots of discussions on, on the Bible as they're like learning how to read when they're kids. And she's, you know, 
taking them through scripture like she was brought up by her mom like it, it's it's quite a, I mean it's probably easy to maybe romanticize what life was like in the 300s but it's quite a it's quite a beautiful picture to, to imagine this family of, of seemingly really tight-knit people who loved Christ and, and worked hard to to serve him and and the results kind of prove that they were more or less successful with that as we have you know, such an impact on our own way of thinking and understanding and reflecting on scripture because of the work of this family that Macrina was sort of the the forerunner of in terms of um, helping her brothers to to grow up and to learn and to be shaped into the people they had become who who could write these scholarly masterly theological works. So, um, a really interesting uh, person and a really interesting family, I would say, just in general, who we've now covered multiple members of, but um, definitely I think Macrina the Younger is one who ought to be remembered more, you know, on a par with, with Basil and Gregory, because I don't think we have Basil and Gregory without her. Right, um, yeah. And I, I think that's that's super cool, and, and I think really, for those of us who have siblings, or or just in, in a broader sense, the, the family that we have in Christ, I think it's a really beautiful picture of what it's like to make an impact in, in, in where God has put you. You know, um, because you could look at it as, you know, well, all she ever really did was take care of her little brothers and sisters, and she ended up, you know, creating a monastery and (laughs) contributing to the growth of two people who became some of the greatest theologians in church history. So, (laughs) you know, you never know what God's going to do with, with, you know, quote unquote, just your own little circle of, of family or friends, you know, and I think that... Uh, her life is a great picture of, of of faithfulness and the impact that that faithfulness can have with with where God has put you, even if it doesn't necessarily look like some grand task of changing the world or whatever. Right. Like in her case, it it did end up being that. So that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's that's in a nutshell. That that's Saint Macrina the Younger and sort of her life and and the the impact that she she's had and and continues to have today. Yeah, that's super cool. And just as you were saying all that, I was completely anticipating saying basically what you said, how it's just a, a great model of, like you said, being faithful, um, even in what seems like mundane, everyday things, like raising your siblings. Um, but we, we just don't know the impact that our, our actions have. And that, even just outside of like theology, even outside of the Christian faith, um, I think that speaks a lot to just our everyday interactions that we have with people. We don't know, um, you know, what our words or our actions can do, you know, especially when they seem so s- small and insignificant, but we don't, we don't know the impact, both positive and negative. So uh, perhaps this is even just that encouragement to, to continue to remain faithful in the, in the small things and in the big things, um, keeping Christ as our, our, our focus. But yeah, I, I, the last thing I'll say is uh, I, I know that when we did the Cappadocian Fathers, so I think that was like our reintroduction to Christians of history after we had been away for a while. Yeah. So we did like a 40-minute episode on them. Um, but I'm pretty sure I remember reading that Macrina, even to some people, is considered like a fourth Cappadocian. And like I'm more and more convinced that she ought to be. I mean, like you said, maybe without her, we wouldn't have um, the other two. But um yeah, just such a cool story, such a cool legacy. But uh, we want to say thank you. Uh, first, I guess, Lucas, uh, thank you for, for doing the time to, to read up on Macrina and to, to share her life. And, and thank you, 
dear listeners, for listening to this episode of the Doxology podcast and any episode. We always love seeing, you know, which episodes people are listening to, um, which ones, you know, rise into our top 10. Uh, so that's really exciting. And if you want to connect with us, if you want to tell us what your favorite episode is, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You're also welcome to email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We welcome your feedback, questions, episode ideas, whatever you want to tell us. Um, but whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. And until next time, peace. See you.